So we've reached this point in our family's life where my three sons and my husband all wear the same shoe size. That's a lot of shoes that they get to share. And they have been so incredibly good at sharing, even when they're new and and white. They're willing to share. Growing up with three sisters, sharing clothes was never a good thing. It was very difficult for us to do. I talked a little bit about this last week. But when you think about your, your nuclear family, or your extended family even, sharing is something that really can help the whole household go a little bit more smoothly. So I wonder, friends, if we think about this particular place, the Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church, as a family of faith, how are we at sharing with one another? Did y'all know where we get the word rival from? We've been looking at sibling rivalry. Well, I want you to know that the word rival, it, it literally means the one who is on the other side of the river. It comes from the Latin word rivis, which means river. And so a a rivalrous was the the plot of water that went through two places of land. And guess what they had to do with that one body of water? Share it. When you think of rivalry, just sharing what comes to mind, no, we think of like competition, contention, limited resources. So in the early world, there was limited resources of water. This is long before we had water towers to collect it, rain barrels even. There was a limited resource, and so the people that lived in that community, they had to share it. Now here on the west side of the city in Austin, we might not have the limited resource of water, food, shelter, or clothing, especially not in this community. But I can guarantee that all of us are feeling a little limited in other resources. The resource of compassion, kindness, really limited in in having a conversation that feels safe and sacred. Limited in encounters of empathy, honesty, truth-telling. Have you all been found wanting of those resources? As we close out this sermon series on sibling rivalry, I want us to consider who are we sharing our very lives with? And what might we be willing to receive from the people in this community? The Apostle Paul was keenly aware of how wide and how deep a community of faith, a church, must be in order for an abundant life to be lived on this earth. And our text today gives us this glimpse into what Paul's church, not the church is, not all the many churches that that Paul helped to establish, but what Paul's church community, the people that he called family, what were they like? And what did he encourage them to do? So the passage that we're going to read is the very last chapter of the book of Romans. And many of you are familiar with the book of Romans. The first 15 chapters, it is Paul just telling beautiful theology to this church in Rome that he's never visited. And he wants them to know this is who Jesus is. And this is what sin is. 
And this is what being set free from sin is. But he's sending this letter with his friends. He's sending this letter to the church in Rome, and there's a whole host of people that are coming with it. And so this is his final letter of recommendation to his faith family. Hear now the word of our Lord. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church at Sancre, so that you may welcome her in the Lord as is fitting for the saints and help her in whatever she may require from you, for she has been a benefactor of many and of myself as well. Greet Prissa and Achilla, who work with me in Christ Jesus, and who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epanetus, who was the first convert in Asia for Christ. Greet Mary, who has worked very hard among you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my relatives who were in prison with me. They are prominent among the apostles, and they were in Christ Jesus before I was. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my relative Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those whose workers in the Lord, Trephena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord. And greet his mother, a mother to me also. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers and sisters who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Are y'all glad I'm the one that had to say all those names? So for the past month, Pastor Stacy and I, we have been looking at these rivalries within families. We saw Mary and Martha and Cain and Abel, Joseph and his brothers, the son and the prodigal son. And, and the reason we looked at those is because we believe that in that most intimate and personal of places in our nuclear families, that that is where God's kingdom can really burst forth. Our nuclear families are a place where the kingdom of God can absolutely be present. But this is the thing. For so many of us here, we don't necessarily have that same nuclear family that we used to. And so now we have friends and coworkers and neighbors who are family to us. What I want us to consider this morning is that that's what this place is too. This church community is family. For the Apostle Paul, his family was the church. And we see this in the text. And he lists all of these names. And what these names give us a picture of is the great diversity of his church. There were men and women. There were brothers and sisters. There were Greeks, Asians, Jews, and Persians. There were people with money and status, and there were people with none of that. 
There were people who had been Christians long before Paul, and there were people who had just converted to the faith. There were people who had spent time in prison. And there were people who were literally risking their necks to be followers of Jesus like Paul. There were married couples, and there were singles. There were those Paul said were chosen or approved or beloved. There were prominent folks in his church, and there were also everyday folks. There were workers, co-workers, and two, I don't know if you noticed, two that he named worked very hard. Y'all, this is a remarkable picture of the family of faith in first century. And the same is true for us here at Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church. Why did we get to be drawn here to this family of faith? So incredibly diverse, but somehow the Spirit connecting us with one another. Because, you know, we have Caucasian American people here, Black American, Asian American, Canadian, Russian, German, French. We have members from Mexico, Nicaragua, and Puerto Rico. We have folks here from Zambia, Zimbabwe, South Africa, Vietnam, China, Japan, and Korea. We have people with money and status. And then we have people that don't have as much. We have married folks, divorced folks, single and widowed. We have people who identify as straight, but we have people who also identify as gay or queer. We have people who have been Christians their whole life, and then we have people a couple of months ago who just stood and professed their faith for the first time. We have people who have spent time in prison, do you know? And there are people who have risked their lives. We have ones who I would describe as called to serve, compelled to teach, people whose very lives breathe prayer. We have ones gifted to sing and play instruments and then others of us who know that's not our gift. We have those who know how to make the best cookies but won't share their recipe with me. And then there's those that are willing to taste every one. We have people who can write blog posts and others who take amazing photographs. We have ones that listen so well and others who will be willing to talk. And then we have those that that will help us in a time of crisis name what it is that we are feeling. We have encouragers and we have challengers. We have peacekeepers and we have disruptors. We have some who are so incredibly extroverted. And then our favorites, the quiet introverts. We have folks who tend to gardens and then we have folks who tend to children. We are a tender and beautiful, flawed family of faith here. And what does Paul say that we are to do but to greet? He says it 18 times in this passage. The Greek word for greet is aspazomai. And what it means 
is to draw unto oneself. It's the image of opening your arms up so that someone that's approaching you knows you want to hug them. It's opening the door and the person says, hello, come on in. It's being willing to share your space and life with someone else. Two of our folks, Ed and Shirley Joe Perry, they were out driving in search of blue bonnets. This is a real story. And so they went out west to go hit those fields that everybody knows they're just going to be out there and they're going to be gorgeous. And as they came up on the field, several of them, they already had a lot of people there. So they, you know, would keep making a detour, going to find another field. And they found themselves on this side road and they just took it. And before they knew it, they were on somebody's private property, somebody else's ranch. And they get to the end of the road and there's a porch and there's cowboys sitting on the porch. So they go to make the turn and then the car gets stuck. So Ed gets out of the car and kind of, you know, looks over at the porch and um, these folks walk over. How can we help you? Well, can you help us move the car? Well, they help them move the car. And before they leave, Ed looks at them and says, you have been so kind to help us. What can I do to repay you? And the rancher looked at him and said, you can never come back on my land. <laughs> Church, we are called to share in a different way, to greet one another. This is one of the greatest gifts of the community of faith. I know it's so popular right now, and especially high school seniors, you're going to hear this over and over, that it's so popular to keep being spiritual. You could actually completely love Jesus and never have anything to do with the community of faith. You can, but it doesn't work. Being together, oh, it's, we, we have the different ages. We have the different gifts. We share our resources. We do rivalrous. There is a limited resource of compassion and empathy in this world, and it is only in this community of faith that we can come together and share it with one another. And Paul models that this is what is necessary, is being together with people that you do not agree with, and that's okay. You might not agree with everything I say or any other pastor says, and that's okay. Oh, but we are united mysteriously through the Spirit of Christ. Each person is a beautiful child of God. Each person has resources to share, and each of us have something we need to receive. So what can we do to greet the people sitting around us? So I want us to have a challenge before the end of the summer. I want you to get to know someone new by name. And then I want you to follow up with them be curious about their life. Ask them how you might be able to pray for them. And then let's continue to do this. Let's continue to do this faithful work of discovering God's kingdom in our flawed family of faith. May it be so in my life and in yours. Amen.